to me. Live, luxury with no pants on, no kid around. We are the Daves you know. This is Dave's I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. different podcast today um just just me um just zeller uh interviewing sean aronson of the saint paul saints he is the play-by-play announcer um he runs the at at the voice btv uh t-h-e-v-o-i-c-e btv on twitter um the voice behind the voice podcast um he is uh we reached out actually I, i mentioned on twitter um, reaching out about you know finding out from the Saints who, if I actually wanted to talk to somebody who had gone to a game about what the experience is like and uh, Sean reached out um, to talk a little bit about that Saints the St. Paul Saints if you're not aware um, a independent baseball team here in St. Paul and they are the first uh, professional team in Minnesota to open up um, and open to the fans uh, their uh, capacity stadium is uh, about 7200 um, you'll hear Sean and I talk a little bit about that they're opening up to 1500 people uh, they haven't quite hit that yet. Um, they gotten very damn close, and I was just curious as to what the procedures were like uh, beforehand, what happened, um, sort of as they've experienced it, and uh, yeah, we just kind of get into it. Um, you know, obviously this is relevant because MLS, um, obviously, as you're listening to this podcast, uh, Minnesota United lost last night. We will be recapping that uh, on Monday uh, with uh, the regular the regular crew. Um, but the next step is MLS is going to be going back and playing in home markets. And there was a, a report yesterday that uh, Dallas is going to be playing their match, one of their matches against Nashville, with uh, up to five thousand people in the stadium. So the FC Dallas uh, Toyota Park is uh, around the same size as Allianz Field. So that is an interesting, uh, interesting um, endeavor. And uh, it sounds like MLS is okay with people playing uh, with fans. So. I just want to talk a little bit. Obviously, baseball and soccer are, are totally different sports in terms of the fan enthusiasm and, and, and the interactions and all that. But I just kind, of, kind of wanted to get a feel for what the Saints are doing and how they might, um, you know, uh, how, this, how the, what the, the Minnesota United could potentially take that experience. Um, obviously, as a guinea pig for all this, um, I think the Saints are doing, it sounds like they're doing a wonderful job. Um, I'm I, I almost excited. To, I think I might try and go catch a match uh, or a, a game before the end of the year. So there's a little bit of baseball talk, um, not a ton of soccer talk in this one. But if you're interested in hearing uh, what um, the you know, sort of the thoughts that went into uh, opening up the stadium, um, any of the other uh, things that you know, I asked a lot of questions. Sean's very verbose. He's a play-by-play guy, so he definitely knows how to talk. Um, so, so he definitely. You definitely uh, filibustered a little bit there, but it was a really great conversation. I was really glad that Sean uh, joined and uh, and talked to me a little bit about you know sort of my concerns and the concerns I think that a lot of people have, and I think he has uh, quite frankly um, with uh, fans in the stadium. So um, after the break, you'll jump into our conversation that I had with uh, Sean Aronson uh, again uh, at the Voice BTV on Twitter. He mentions that at the very end. Just want to get a shout out and plug there at the top of the podcast, and then he also has a podcast called The Voice Behind the Voice where he interviews. Um, professional play-by-play guys uh, from all over the MLB, NFL, 
uh, NBA, NHL, um, NCAA. I don't think he's had any soccer. He didn't mention any soccer folks, so we have to try and fix that for him. So, Cal, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, get in touch with uh, Sean Aronson. So, after the break, my conversation with Sean Aronson. Want me to be that type of dude, and I want you be who you like me to, but we both. And uh, we're happy to have uh, the Vice Pres- President, uh, Director of Broadcasting and Media Relations for the St. Paul Saints, Sean Aronson, on the podcast. Uh, Sean, thanks for, thanks for joining. David, uh, I'm, I'm very happy that uh, we had an opportunity to connect, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, that's the, the beauty of Twitter, right? <laughs> that's right. Lots of, crap, lots of crap, but then some good stuff happens occasionally. Yeah, exactly. Well, so. Uh, so I brought Sean on because we, I want to talk about um, the St. Paul Saints uh, opened their stadium to fans uh, earlier this week. Uh, the first sports team to do that in the Twin Cities, or professional sports team to do that in the Twin Cities. Um, one of the first, obviously there's uh, stuff happening all over the country, but um, one, of the, one of the first in the Midwest as well. I know Ford Madison, the soccer team, opened their stadium, uh, a different stadium to fans uh, last week as well. So I'm kind of curious about all this. I'm, I'm, to be perfectly frank, I'm a little hesitant about uh, being able to go and watch baseball or soccer or anything with other people as much as I would love to, I'm a huge baseball fan, huge soccer fan. I would love to go. I'm a lesson. So I want to bring Sean on to talk a little bit about what the saints are doing, how they got to where they're doing, uh, how they got to where they are. And then, you know, what are the safety precautions that they're taking care of taking uh, advantage of? Because I expect MLS and, and Minnesota United to be back playing with fans um, later this month. Uh, and I, you know, I'm hoping that they are going to be doing a lot of what the saints do because I've read the readiness plan and it looks really, really good. Um, so I'm just want to talk a little bit through that. Is that, uh, is that work for you, Sean? Yeah, that, that's fine. Uh, let me start off by saying yeah. one thing. I think there, and I've said this since day one of this, there are three groups of people out there. And again, this is my opinion. This is not, you know, what anybody else has said that when things, let's say eventually opened up as they are now or opening up, there were going to be three groups of people. The first group was things are open. I'm running out and I, I don't care what it is. I'm going to be there and I'm going to be the first in line. There was another group that will not come out of their homes until 2024, right? They're, they're just, they're locked down. They want no part of this. Uh, they'll come out when, when everything is, uh, you know, there's a vaccine and this is all gone. And then there's I th- what I feel is the majority of us that are basically we want to go out, but we want to make sure wherever we go, whatever it is, restaurant, movie theater, sporting events, whatever it is, we want to make sure that there are plans in place that we feel safe when we go. And I think for us, and I think for anyone really, that's who you're trying to capture, right? You already get the first group, the third group's never coming out, but the majority of people, that's who you're shooting for. And if you don't put a plan in place, that makes everybody comfortable and then they don't go out and tell people that the plan that you put in place was a good one, then you're going to have a PR nightmare on your hands. And again, I don't care who you are, restaurant, movie theater, sporting event, whatever it is, you have one opportunity to get this right. And it's at the beginning. And if you don't, it's a disaster for you. And I think for the, we've, we've been home now as you and I chat three games. And I think that we are, probably 90 to 95% of where we, we need to be. And I, I leave that 5 to 10% because 
I think you can always tweak things based upon what your fans are saying and what they're seeing and how comfortable they are. Uh, and I feel pretty good about where we're at. Excellent. Yeah. So let's let me, let's start from the very beginning of the season. So you started your season in Sioux Falls. Um, what, what was that like? What was that? That was, I'm assuming that was mandated. Was that mandated by the league to, to, cause you wanted to get going and we couldn't play here in St. Paul. Yeah. So I'll break this down for folks that there, we are a 12 team league. Six are participating this year and six are not. Uh, And basically the six that are not are are down South. And and for one reason or another, you know, they're, they they couldn't find a dance partner is the way I'm calling it because you needed a hub city where where two teams could play out of. So if uh, we have two teams in Texas, if one wanted to participate, but the other didn't, uh, it didn't matter. And on top of that, if only the two teams wanted in Texas wanted to participate and you didn't have Lincoln and Sioux city and Kansas city, uh, which are not participating, if those weren't participating, then it's just too far between St. Paul and Texas, right? It just, it's too much travel for, for teams. So six are are participating. Most of us are, we really are all up in the North. And at the beginning of the year, before anything started, there were three hub cities, Fargo, uh, Sioux Falls, and then Milwaukee. Each hub city had a hub partner, Winnipeg, which for people that don't know, the border is basically closed. So you can't get across back and forth. So they are playing out of the Fargo hub. Chicago was scheduled to play out of the Milwaukee hub and we were playing in Sioux Falls about a week to 10 days before the season started. The, uh, I believe it was all of Illinois, but specifically the Chicago area basically said, Hey, you can open up your ballpark to fans. Okay. Now the reason those three hubs were chosen is because they could play in front of fans, whether it was 25%, 50%, whatever it was, they could play in front of fans. Um, whereas we couldn't Winnipeg couldn't get back home And at the time, Chicago couldn't. But right before the season, Chicago was told they could go home. So that's what happened. We played in Sioux Falls uh, for the first month, utilizing that ballpark as our home field, uh, sharing it with Sioux Falls. And so you play your hub team 24 times in a 60-game season, right? You you lessen the travel. It just makes almost half your games are against your hub mate. And then you would go to the other hubs a total of, nine games okay and and so uh that's the way and then they would come to to your place and that added up to 60 games and so that's the way it was for for basically the first month we were playing in sioux falls we were living out of a hotel that we didn't have to check out of so we were fortunate in that even when we went to a to another hub we didn't have to check out it made things a lot easier for us uh on that front but of course you're not home right you're you're living out of a suitcase for a month and that's that's kind of how that went so um I don't know if you want me to talk about, you know, what happened next, but, but that gets you up to that, that month for us in Sioux Falls. And look, they took the same measures, um, you know, basically social distancing, uh, you know, only sold. I think they limited it to 50% capacity, even though they could sell all their tickets if they wanted to. Now, and I'm not trying to cut anyone down, Sioux Falls doesn't draw very well to begin with. So, and they even made the joke. They said, oh, we can sell all of our tickets, but you know, that requires us to actually sell all of our tickets. And, and they were never going to do that. Yeah. They wanted everybody to feel safe. So they, they limited capacity to 50%. On opening day on July 4th, they, they did really well. And then the attendance dropped off after that. Uh, and they did a, a fairly good job with social distancing. 
uh, and they were great to us. I mean, they, they were fantastic. It wasn't CHS Field, which is a beautiful ballpark. Sioux Falls, a, a little older ballpark, but they were tremendous to us. They made us feel comfortable. They made us feel safe. And, and that was the most important thing. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, walk us. So bring us up. So now that you now you're back in St. Paul, um, yep. obviously uh, you guys um, have opened your ballpark. Talk, tell us a little bit about that sort of the, the negotiations you went through. Um, sure. You know, what, what, are you, what were you trying to do? What did you have to scale back? Um, I know you worked with the uh, local authorities and the state to put together a really a readiness plan. And I'll, I'll link to the plan in, when I post the podcast as well. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's great. And I think any team that's trying to do anything, any whether it's a, you're a, a minor league team or you're an amateur team, you should look at what the Saints are trying to do. Um, so, yeah, talk us a little bit through, like, what that process was like and, and what, what, what did you, you know, what was the pushback on and, and where, you know, where, where you ended up now? Yeah, it's a great question, David. And first, I want to make it very clear. We didn't just open our gates on our own. We didn't just say, you know what, who cares about anything? We want to be home and we're coming home. This was so before all this happened, where everything was kind of shut down and we didn't know when our season was going to start all that back in March, we were and and I'm not exaggerating. This is not hyperbole. We were these first sports entity, along with our sister teams in Hudson Valley, New York, and Charleston, South Carolina, the first sports teams to come out with a COVID-19 readiness plan. And it was, it's 30 pages long. Okay. It's not, it's not like a one page document. It's not like, it's a 30 page document that we condensed to about five or six pages that, that sits on our website. No one was going to read 30 pages. We knew that. So we condensed it down, but it's a living, breathing 30 page document. So before any of this, we came up with a plan that was, uh, that was fluid, that we could change as we went along, that as we got more information, we could, you know, we could modify it. So that was first and foremost. Uh, again, you, you can go back and you can look. We, we were the first teams to do that before anybody, no major league teams, no NBA, NHL, before they came out with the bubble idea, all that. So we've been working since then to make sure we could play at home. And we did we and we followed the guidelines as the state came out and as the governor came out and said all right restaurants could open up you can have 250 people you can have this you can have that one of the first things we did was uh kids baseball camps and we limited it to um groups of 10 and so i think we had like three or four groups of 10 they never crossed over to each other so you were with your group the whole time and that was it. So that was the first thing. And you were allowed to do that. And, and, you know, and, and we did that. And we proved we could do that. When the restaurants were able to open back up for outdoor seating, we said, well, we don't know if we're ever going to play here. We serve food. We serve alcohol here. We serve beverages. Let's make a cafe. Let's make a, a lunch spot. So we created the pop-up cafe. And again, limited seating, adhering to the guidelines, had to make reservations had to wear your mask until you, you got your food and it went over well, no issues. Well, when outdoor events were, were opened up to 250 people, again, not big enough for the saints to come back and play. We can't play in front of 250. Uh, I mean, we're all losing money this year. Let's, let's be clear about that, but it would have cost us more to open the ballpark than open to 250 people. So what we did was every Friday for four weeks, I think it was, we did a films and fireworks out here and the social distancing was very strict. We had two areas and, and this is how we got to the current plan. So, so I'm going to kind of go into the minutiae here. So I apologize if this sure. bores people. 
Um, but we created three areas that allowed 250 people into each of those areas. Now, remember, you can only have 250 people in, uh, you know, outdoors in a restaurant or whatever, but we created three different venues, if you will, within our ballpark, left field, right field, and the main seating bowl of the ballpark. On, in left field and right field, we created 10 by 10 boxes that were distinctly marked. So we, we had, uh, and I wasn't here, I was on the road, but I don't know if it was like tape or string or whatever it was. And you had to buy four people for each 10 by 10, right? We, we wouldn't allow two or one or five. It was four people. You, I guess you could, you could have two there, but you had to pay for four. Um, and that was in right field that housed up to 250. Same thing in left field. And the entire seating bowl of the ballpark was general admission, but sat 250 people. And then we have a, a security and financial club uh, that we were able to get 125 in. That went on for four weeks. Again, no issues. Uh, and people just wanted to come out. They wanted to enjoy. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's what happened. So before we got to the point where we could open our ballpark, we were doing these little mini events. Again, all in the context of what the governor uh, had mandated and, and followed those. And they even came out and they talked to us. And we were, we, we were on phone calls. Um, again, this is not something we just did. Uh, we were on phone calls. Uh, we're on phone calls with all the other teams in the area, the major teams. And then we were on phone calls with venues of like size of ours, uh, Canterbury, um, you know, First Ave, uh, you know, Valley Fair probably was on the call, things like that. And so that's what led to the present day. And they really liked what we were doing with this Films and Fireworks, where we created distinct areas with no more than 250 people in it. And they said, look, what number do you want to get to? And so we sort of went back and forth. I think in our ideal world, we would have, 2,000 people was what we would have liked. They basically said, yes, it's, seven, it's a little over 7,000, right? Yeah. 7,210 is capacity. Okay. Yep. And so we wanted, I think ideally we would have liked 2000. They said, we can give you six distinct areas of 250 people. So this is not a math show. That's 1500 people. <laughs> it's definitely not a math show. That's right. <laughs> so that's 1500 people. But they said, here are the rules. Each area has to have their own entrance their own exit, so basically the same entrance you go through, you have to exit through, their own concession stand, and their own restroom. Now, masks are not, they are not required for outdoor events, but we made them required until you sit down in your seat, so similar to a restaurant. So if you're walking to the bathroom, if you're walking to the concession stand, as you walk in, all that sort of, you have to wear a mask. Yeah. Um, and your temperature will be checked upon entering. So we created six distinct areas in the ballpark, no more than 250 people. And the way the seating works is, let's say row one, you have seats on either end and everything in the middle is basically you, you can't buy. Then the next row has just seats in the middle available so that you're uh, six feet away from the row in front of you. And it staggers that way all the way to the top of, of each row. Okay. So to put this into perspective, three whole sections which seat about 300 people each equals one area. So figure 900 seats, 250 total in that. Then what we have an empty section. So three sections, 250 total, an empty section, then three more sections of 250 people, then an empty section. And it goes that way around the ballpark and every area. So when you buy a ticket, 
you will receive an email on the day of your game saying, here's the best place to park based upon the entrance that you're going to have to enter through. You can't enter anywhere else. And here are the rules when you, when you come in. You can't go to another concession stand. You can't walk around the ballpark, which is the, the experience of a Saints game, right? Walking yeah. around. Just going to the beer. One of the best parts about Saints games yeah. is wandering around and, and right. hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the craft beer corner is not open. Um, so we, you know, we have to close certain things. And so you, you can't, you cannot walk around. You can't, if you, if your friends got tickets in area B and you have tickets in area A, you're, you're out of luck. That's just the way it's, it's got to work. And these are the concessions that we had to make. And so for three games, again, I would tell you that if there was going to be a disaster, it would be in game one, right? Like the first time that you do this, that's when, you know, all hell's going to break loose. And I would tell you, we got to as close as I don't want to say perfect because you're never going to get that. And, and even when things are running smoothly, it's not going to be perfect. But we got to as close as I think what we were looking for and the governor's task force was looking for. Now, look, you're going to have some small issues where people, you know, either don't read the email or didn't realize certain things or, or what we discovered. People wanted to go to our souvenir shop. Well, our souvenir shop is when you enter uh, – on the Broadway side of things. Well, yep. if you have to enter through the fourth street entrance, which is on the outfield side, that means you have to, before you get there, you have to go to Broadway street and then you've got to walk all the way around the ballpark to get to your entrance. And that, that caused some problems for people. And I get that. Look, that's, and so we've now tried to figure out ways where we can make sure that there are souvenirs that people can buy in every section. You may not have everything, or if you want something, our staff can go get it for you type of thing. Um, but, but there were little hiccups like that, but nothing major. Um, I, I guess the one big negative is if you're in area A, which is the first three sections as you walk into the ballpark, there is no bathroom there. So we had to bring in porta potties. It's the only place in the ballpark that has it. But okay. it was the only way that we could, again, get what we wanted. So unfortunately, you're in the worst position if you're in area A, if you're not a fan of porta potties, but that's what we had to do. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, so you mentioned, you kind of briefly alluded to the cost of mm -hmm. uh, opening the doors. Yeah. Um, you maybe don't have to talk in specific numbers, but yeah. what is the cost to open up? Because I know that's, uh, that is going to be a big thing that any team is considering, sure. right? What is the, you know, the staffing and, and yep. all the things that need to happen just to, to make uh, a game like that work. So what is, like, what is the general cost for like, a normal game? And then maybe like, how is, it, how is that different from the COVID, our COVID times now? Yeah. So you're, you're unfortunately asking me a question that I don't have a specific answer to. I'm not, I'm not evading the answer. I literally don't know. Uh, <laughs> I know I get a paycheck every two weeks and, and that's great. Um, and I've, I've never asked. All I know is that we, we've got to be around close to the break even point. I would tell you with 1500 fans, okay. um, maybe, maybe, maybe on the lower side of, uh, of the negative side. Uh, but, uh, but again, we're a ballpark that's used to having we average we average eight thousand people in a seventy two hundred seat ballpark. So, um, but we wouldn't have opened the ballpark either. We would have just stayed in Sioux Falls if we were like, all right, well, we're going to lose more money, a lot more money than we already are losing. Um, so, again, the concession was we wanted two thousand. They said fifteen hundred, so we agreed to that. So we're probably close, if not on the lower half of. And here's the other thing too, right? On the first night, we sold 1,489 tickets of the 1,500 we could sell, so 11 shy of a sellout. But not everybody comes because some of those people are season ticket holders. 
right? So you're not actually getting the full amount of people in there. Yeah. Uh, you sold the tickets, but not everybody's coming because some of those season ticket holders aren't entering, uh, you know, for that night. And so you might have whatever it was 11 or 12 in the house. Um, so again, you know, on the second night, I think we sold 1300, but there was actually 800 in the house. Uh, again, just a larger no-show rate. And so those are nights that you're probably losing money, right? Like tonight, we're, we're sold out. And we, we never use that term around here, right? We, we will fill this ballpark to capacity. We'll say we're over capacity and we'll continue to sell tickets on the standing room side. I think the largest crowd we had in this ballpark was like 10, 6, 10,600. Um, but we, we can't sell 1501, right? We can't, we, we are not like if the governor's task force showed up and wanted to count and we're at 1501, they're going to shut us down. Yeah. So 15 is all we can sell. And so tonight we are sold out. And again, you'll get some no show rate, but, but we'll be probably close to, I'd probably tell you 1350 in the house, um, you know, give or take, uh, of the 1500 that we're going to sell. So on a night like tonight, we'll probably be a little on the positive side. Uh, but again, not anything what anyone's thinking in their mind. Oh, they make money hand over fist. or We're still a, yeah. like an independent professional baseball team that has a very razor thin margin, even in the years that we do exceptionally well. Because look, we're paying our players. Uh, you know, we have a third party that runs our concession stand. So, you know, we only take a percentage of that. And we have a third party that runs our souvenir shop and you're paying all the ushers and, and things of that nature. And again, I'm not going to tell you that we, we don't do well, we do well, but it, it, I don't think it's anywhere what anybody thinks it is. Oh, for sure. So, um, great. So obviously I was, you know, I was actually gonna ask what the sales numbers have been like, sounds like they're, they're, they're doing well. Yeah. Um, people are, are coming. Um, so you mentioned you asked for 2000. Mm -hmm. um, is this something that you think eventually you might be able to get to? Like you, you demonstrate, Hey, we're doing really well. Um, can we push it a little bit further? And then um, I guess the other question I had related to that was like, was there anything else that you pushed for that the state said, Nope, can't do that. Or at least not now Yeah. Uh, when you were putting together these plans. Yeah. Well, I think the answer to your first question is, is, is if you have the governor's phone number, you might want to call him and start uh, at, but, but honestly, it's up to it's right. It's up to him and his task force. Um, I think the first part of this is we have to prove that we can do this safely. Um, and, and to even look in the future, I don't even think next year when we open up in May, we'll be allowed to have 8,000 in this ballpark. I really don't believe that. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Yes. But I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think we're, we're at least two years away from, from any sporting event being able to sell to capacity. Uh, again, I really hope I'm wrong on that. But we have to prove first that this model works. Do I think we can get to 2000 at some point in terms of being allowed to sell that? I do. But it's not like we've got 50 home games here, right? We had 18 to begin with. And, and not, not that this is huge breaking news that people are going to be all excited about. We, we've added three home games uh, at the end of our season because Winnipeg that plays in the Fargo hub, uh, to get into the weeds a little bit, when you play a team in a hub that's not their home ballpark, so when we play Winnipeg in Fargo, and again, it's Fargo's home ballpark, so they're not there, they draw like, 80 people. So Winnipeg was like, well, all right, we'll come to your place. I mean, they'll still be the home team. Yeah. Um, but they're like, we just want to play in front of people. It helps you guys out. 
So we're going to tack on three home games in which we were supposed to be on the road at the end. So technically we've got 21 games here at CHS field, but it's still not a lot, right? It's still not the 50 that we were expected or the 30 when the uh, revised schedule came out. So look, if we can get by, I don't know, the end of August, uh, even the, the beginning of September when we've got nine games here, uh, if we can get to 2000 at that point and have nine games of 2000, uh, we, I think we, I think we can prove enough before that to get to that point. Now I'll say this because this will now circle back around to people that listen to your podcast because they care about, uh, you know, the United and what's going to happen and are the fans. And I know the MLS is trying this or whatever. We are the epicenter for sports teams in this area right now. And I don't get to say that very often, right? Like it, it that's not the case, Yeah. but we are all eyes are on us and the twins and the United and uh, even looking towards next season, the Wild and the Timberwolves. Um, I think the Vikings are a totally separate entity on, on this, to be honest with you. Yeah. But they're all looking at us and rooting for us. They really are. Because if, if it fails for us at 1,500 people, then they're never going to get the opportunity to have, you know, I, I don't even know what the math is, 1,500 of 2,000 or 7,210, whatever percentage that is, let's say 15, 20%, whatever. Yeah. They're not going to get to have. 15, 20%. If we fail on a smaller level, they're not going to be able to open up to a, a larger level uh, in, in same percent compar comparison. So they are rooting for us. They're openly rooting for this to work for us. And I know we have been in constant contact with, with the teams in this area, which is great to see. I, I, I cannot applaud all the teams in this area enough working together to make sure that this works. Uh, and, and, asking us questions and i really do believe that that we have come up with a fantastic model that anybody else if you follow the guidelines and you follow the rules and you have the staff there that that is going to implement these rules i think we've come up with with a very very solid model and let me say this because i know you opened up by saying look you're hesitant about going back in and and whatever and i get that look i i work for the saints and I've been hesitant since day one, but this is my job. This is what I love to do. I do the play-by-play. -play. I've been the play-by-play -play broadcaster for the Saints for 14 years. And just like the players that are playing, I knew what the risks were, and yet I still agreed to sign up for this, right? Mm -hmm. As a fan, you don't have to, right? You can watch the game from the comfort of your own home. And when you are comfortable, and that's what I would tell people out there, don't go until you're comfortable, right? I don't know if you're the type of person, I, I get the sense that you're probably not. When a brand new uh, piece of technology comes out, you wait until other people uh, work out the kinks and spend the $4,000 on it before you decide I'm going to run out and buy it. And I'm the same way, right? That's you're going to be doctor, no. Yeah, exactly. So there are plenty of us out there. Now I'm in a different situation again because I work here and this is what I wanted to do. And look, and I've said this on the broadcast a couple of times, and it's probably, it's the wrong attitude to have. And I, I, I've, I've said that this is the wrong attitude to have. And it's the attitude so many people out there have. Well, it's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to get it, right? I'm a healthy guy. I work out five days a week. You know, it's not going to happen to me. So I'm going to go, I'm going to wear my mask, my mask right here, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm going to wear my mask. Uh, I'm going to do everything that I'm supposed to do. And it's not going to happen to me, but that's wrong, right? It can happen to anyone. And and so 
I go about my business knowing that it could happen to me at some time, but I can't worry about that. And let's just get to the end of the season. And you just sort of, as long as you're doing what everybody says, you should be okay. Even know that that's not 100% guaranteed. But again, as a fan, you, you don't have to do that. And I get that. When you feel comfortable, that's when you should go. Whenever that is. Whenever it is. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you follow up here in a second. I just want to say one, one thing here. Anyone go to our, our Twitter account, uh, which, which I pretty much run. The people that I don't like, okay, are the, uh, the keyboard warriors out there. Okay? <laughs> there was a, a gentleman who lives in Georgia that's an epidemiologist. Last night was our Thirsty Thursday as we talk on this Friday. And it was, we posted a photo promoting Thirsty Thursday in which the photo has four people toasting beers, right? A photo that was taken five years. It's clearly a stock photo, right? It's, it's, yeah. It hasn't been taken. And this guy came out and blasted us for this. And I responded to this guy. And I don't, I don't get into this on Twitter. From the Saints account, I responded to him. And I said, look, that's a stock photo from a year or two ago. I later found out it was from 2015. But from a year or two ago, I said, we have strict rules for you to enter this ballpark. I said, do me a favor. Come out to a game. And I knew the guy lived in Georgia. You could see it on his, on his profile. And I said, seriously, come out and see what we're doing. And he came back and, and said something. And, and I said, you know what? Here's exactly what we do. We send an email out. We've got six distinct areas, entrances, exits, concession stands, uh, bathrooms. Here are all the plans in place. You're using a stock photo to try and make a point that doesn't make any sense. And, and then Twitter got all over him, which was great. And I didn't have to do any more work. But that come out and then judge, right? Yeah. Do, do that first. And if you're not comfortable, you see some changes that could be made, by all means, by all means, we're not perfect. We take input, but don't sit at home and tell us how terrible we are or whatever we're doing is, is wrong or whatever. I get it. Everybody's got it. And this is a very contentious uh, issue right now. Yeah. And I told you when, when you reached out to me and you said, look, I, I just want to let you know that, that I'm not in favor of, of, of these things happening. I said, you know what? I'm closer to you than I am on the other side. And yet I'm, yeah. I'm working and I get it. I do. I understand. So, um, and we've got plenty of people that work in this office that, that are on both sides of the spectrum on this. And yet here we are working in this business, trying to open up, trying to entertain people, but trying to do it as safe as possible. Now you can agree or you can have the opinion out there that nothing should be open and we should stay close. And you know what I'm going to tell you? You're probably right. Yeah. You probably are right. And I wouldn't argue with you. And there are other people that say, you know what? We should open everything up and go about our business and it's not as bad and whatever. And I'll tell you what, you're probably right. Again, nobody knows the answer. Nobody has the, the, the keys to the castle here. And everybody's got a hard job. Governors have a hard job. The CDC has a hard job. The WHO has a hard job. This is not easy. And when you're trying to corral hundreds of millions of people, and get them all on the same page, forget it. We can't get 1,500 people on the same page. What makes you think we can get hundreds of millions on the same page? Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, actually, it's funny. We, we actually, so you're talking about uh, Dr. Zach Binney. Um, yep. We actually had in this podcast, as a matter of fact, <laughs> a while ago. So uh, it's 
worlds collide, right? Right. And I'm sure he's a smart guy. But oh, he's, he's very smart, and I, you know, and I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, probably like you know, and he has, you know, he also doesn't have necessarily all the context either. So, sure. um, he's trying. I know, I know, just from the conversations that we've had with him, he's just trying to like help people survive and and do and live their lives and and do what they can. Without the context, yeah, you know, sometimes people clap back when they probably shouldn't because they don't have all the information. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I guess, um, I guess another, so another question I kind of had was, so obviously you guys are doing this. Um, yeah. why aren't the twins? Is there, is there a specific reasoning? Do you know? Um, yeah. So major league baseball, major league right? baseball yeah. So, yeah. So they're under the guise of what major league baseball says and, and major league baseball won't allow fans into okay. the ballpark. That's, that's right. The, so, yeah. So okay. like, obviously again, it, this is a, a soccer podcast directed at that MLS has now come out and said, Hey, we, we are, we are looking into having fans in, in, in our parks and yep. or our stadiums. Um, and so, but it's up to, it's still up to the state guidelines, right. On, on what you can have uh, in your stadium, just because they say you can have fans doesn't mean tomorrow, you know, 20,000 people, uh, you know, are going to be at Allianz field. That's not, that's not the case, right. They're yep. still under the guidelines of whatever, your, your state mandate is. So it's, it's great in theory, but also if you have a state that's like, nope, can't have anyone, well, they can go back and play at home in front of nobody. And, yeah. and that's the way it is. So, yeah, so it's just a different governing body. Um, sure, sure. The American Association, uh, you know, wanted to open up and left it up to each hub city, um, which now there's only one left of those, but, but each city and, and their mandate to decide what they wanted to do. Um, and, and that's the reason why. So uh, in relation to the crowds, so, and obviously it's a play-by-play guy, um, you know, atmosphere probably dictates a lot of your job, right? Um, hearing the crowd and all that. And, and baseball is different than soccer. Obviously soccer, there's, it's very, it's very frenetic uh, for 45 minutes and then yep. halftime and then it's frenetic for another 45 minutes. Um, baseball yeah. is obviously a much different game. It's, yep you know, rolls around, rolls around and all that. What is the atmosphere like in the stadium? Um, and how are you specifically with your job with the commentating and yep. play by play? How are you adjusting to that? Is Are the Saints pipe, like piping in extra noise? Is there, are they doing anything like that to some music and things like that? Or, or how is, how's your job been basically? No, well, before this, and again, this is year 14 for me in St. Paul, I spent four years in the Florida State League with the Fort Myers Miracle. So the Twins okay. uh, high affiliate in Fort Myers where they hold spring training. Uh, reminds me of my days in the, for, in the Florida State League. Nobody showed up to those games, right? It's, <laughs> it's 90 degrees and 90% humidity in the summertime. And so you'd average 1,200 fans. So I'm, I've been down this road before. I, I've been in ballparks where there's barely any people. And it, it's just like, it, it, look, it's just like the United. It's just like the major league teams. It's just like the NBA teams. Um, I was reading an article today. I'm, I'm originally from LA and, and huge Dodger fan. I was reading an article about Ken Lee Jansen, their closer. And he said, I feed off the adrenaline of the crowd, but I don't have that now. And so as a professional, whether it's an athlete or as a broadcaster or a front office worker or whatever, you have to figure out what your motivation is every day because you're, you don't get that inherent 8,000 people, the buzz of the crowd, the excitement. You don't get that. I will say this, though. Opening day for us, which now was three days ago, um, it felt like a playoff game. People were excited to be here. And so they created the atmosphere and, and our playoff games don't draw very well because again, yeah, yeah we're, we're not covered that way. So last year we won the championship. 
the fortunate thing was that the, the night we won it all, there was over 5,000 people in attendance, which is huge for a playoff game for us. But the other four that I'm sorry, the other three that we hosted here probably averaged 1,700 people. But it's 1,700 people that care if you win or lose, right? You go to a Saints game and it's 8,000 people where 700 people care whether you win or lose, right? And, and right, the rest yeah. of them were just there, but they're cheer for the Saints and they're in, yeah. but it's not that electricity of a playoff game. Um, so Tuesday night here uh, on the 4th of August was a playoff-like atmosphere. I mean, they were into it and they were script. They were just happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, I, I, I don't need it. It's great when you have it, but I've been down that road before and I know how to handle it. Uh, but for athletes, it, it's different, right? I mean, you've got to, you've got to dig deeper when you're not feeding, but for our team, when you've just spent a month away from your home where nobody's cheering for you ever <laughs> and you come home and even if it's a hundred people cheering yeah. for you, it feels different. And it was interesting because the first two games we played here, we trailed both games going into the bottom of the eighth inning and came back in both games to win. And again, you don't, don't tell me that fans don't matter because yeah. if we're playing somewhere else in those, for those games, I'm not certain we, we come back and win. So, you know, look, would it be nice to have a packed house? Sure. But uh, you just have to find out what your motivation is and use that and make the best of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the reason why actually why I love baseball. I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan and super nerd. Of, like I don't like, I bring my wife to saints games cause yeah. I can sit and watch baseball and she can just do whatever the hell she wants to do. Yeah. Talk to her friends, do that. I can just focus me and I have a, one of her friends is also a big baseball fan. So me and her will sit next to each other and like our significant others, you know, my, my spouse and, and her partner just, they'll go hang out with each other. Cause like they yeah. know that we're very intense on baseball. So yeah. Uh, Really but you know, it. for, for, for soccer, like it, that is a totally different atmosphere than almost yeah. any sport out there. Right. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, different songs and, and chants and cheers and stuff yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. I've only been to one soccer match in my life, uh, which is a great guest for, for your soccer podcast here, but, but it was actually in England. I went to an Arsenal okay. match. Oh, um, right. yeah, which, which was incredible. You know, I figured, when in Rome or when in England in this case. Yeah. Um, and I, I felt like that was something I wanted to experience. And this was three years ago and it was incredible. And they weren't even, it wasn't even like a, a top tier team they were playing. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was great. It, I mean, I had so much fun. The other great thing about soccer is you know how long you're going to be there. Baseball, yeah. we could be here for five right. hours. Um, <laughs> you know, the soccer, you can lock it in for about hours. Hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, hour 50 minutes and, and, and you're good to go. Um, but, but I think for soccer, it's almost, it's almost tougher for those guys because uh, the atmosphere is so unique for, for those matches. And, and so it, it, it's been interesting to watch some of those in the Orlando. Uh, that's where, are they in Orlando? Is that where yep, they're in Orlando right now. Yep. Yeah, down in, in, in the Orlando bubble to watch those matches and, and see how you know, guys go about and watch – uh, you know, on, on Saturday or Sunday, the EPL matches where, you know, nobody's there and, and see how that went. Look, I, I'm just, you brought up the crowd noise and stuff. Are we piping in noise? But which I didn't answer. We're not. Um, I almost wish they wouldn't do that. Cause I love hearing the players. I love hearing what they say. Uh, who cares if they curse, whatever. This, look, I mean, it's, they, they've they, gone they, well past that. Kind of like they mute the sound for when it's in English, but if you know Spanish at all, um, yeah. you can, definitely hear them cursing all the time which is yeah great. so um it, it, pick up on some spanish and you'll be yeah, ex so. exactly but i love hearing the players and and, yeah. and being able to hear you never get that 
No. You know, that's the other interesting thing about doing this is I can, I can hear everything that's being yelled from the dugouts. I can hear the umpire yelling back. I can hear our fans when they say things, which you don't get when there are 8,000 people. So it's been very, very unique uh, for me as a broadcaster to, to bring that into people's homes, uh, which, which you don't usually get. So it's, it's been different, but, uh, you know, as everyone keeps saying, this is our new normal for right yeah. now. Um, well, I'll wrap up here and, and get, let you get going. Um, so you mentioned, obviously, you, you won the, the championship last year. Yeah. Um, have you raised that banner yet? Uh, <laughs> what are the plans to do that? Are you like, I obviously wanted it in front of fans. That would be yeah. great. Um, I'm just kind of like one of my co, uh, co-hosts, uh, MJ, asked that, wants to know that, answer that question. So. Yeah. Yeah, we did it Tuesday, as a matter of fact. Okay. Like, we, we couldn't wait until, you know, a packed house or whatever, because, again, like I said, I don't think that even happens next year. Yeah. Um, so you couldn't wait for that we did the ring ceremony right before we left for Sioux Falls before the season started. So our, our guys that were uh, on the team last year that are on this year, we got our rings. Uh, I got my ring. I cried like a baby because <laughs> I'd wanted it so bad. And I've been a broadcaster for 19 years and had never won one. Um, so we did that. We raised the banner on Tuesday and we brought back uh, basically the heart and soul of our team from the last three years who, who had retired after last year. We brought him back. Uh, unbeknownst to to everybody with the exception of, I think our manager to raise the banner. Nobody knew he was the one raising the banner. And then the, the camera, you know, showed him and he's got the ring on and he does this and shows the <laughs> ring. And it was, it was a great little moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so we did that. Um, you know, as far as the remainder of, of our home schedule, we're still doing the promotions that we usually do. We, we've, we, we had giveaways that we were going to give away that we'll, we'll still do. Um, we're, we're going to be as saints like as possible uh, under the, the rules that are given to us. And again, if we can open up to 2000, you know, in a few weeks, we'll, we'll do that. We're trying to make it as, uh, entertaining as possible for, for people to come out and and enjoy. But we also want people when they come here, not to just throw caution to the wind and say, well, I'm going to do whatever I want now that we're not going to let you do that. And, and like I said, I think people that come to our games know that. I think that if, United are able to open up in, in front of fans. And I know they're still working on that plan. I think those people will do it because they, they're the ones that want to be there and they realize they, they're the ones that could shut it down, right? If you get a, a group of 100 people that are like, you know what, who cares? I'm going out there. I don't care that you told me I have to wear a mask. I'm not going to wear one. I know you told me I have to social distance. I'm not, you're going to be the ones that shut it down, right? Do you want to be the people that shut it down? No. And so I think the people that are coming out now in small smaller groups, and I get it, 1,500 is relative when talking about small. It's still a lot of people. Um, but for the most part, they're respectful. It's not like going into a grocery store where you don't know who's coming in and, and they don't care. And, and they're like, well, told me I got to wear a mask, but I don't care. I'm going to do whatever I want. And, um, you know, again, I, I agree with, with uh, what was his name, Dr. Binney? Was that who it was yeah. that I blasted yesterday? Um, I agree with him about masks, right? I'm on his side. I, I really am. Um, I, I, I felt weird when this all first happened and I'd walk into uh, a grocery store and I'm like one of, you know, 30 people wearing a mask and nobody else's. I'm glad they made it a requirement now because now people that are uncomfortable don't have to feel in- uncomfortable about it. Um, I, I'm on, and, and I'll say this, you know, look, I'm not above anything. I don't know how well you know him and I don't know if he he listens on a regular basis. If he honestly has some constructive stuff for us, 
I would gladly take it. If he's like, hey, I want to see your plan. I'm an epidemiologist. I'll show it to him. Again, yeah. our COVID-19 plan sits on our website. We're not hiding it. The map to our ballpark sits on our website. We don't hide it. Yeah. That's what I want from people. I, you know, I told you when you wanted me to come on and you say, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm real hesitant about this. I said, look, I don't mind that, that you and I could be, have differing opinions. I'm an intellectual enough guy. For the most part, I'm a sound enough guy to have an adult conversation. Yeah. And so I'm open to that always. I don't think we know everything, but come at me with facts and here's why this works so that we can have that open dialogue. Don't just shoot from the hip and tell me you're an idiot for doing this. That doesn't get anybody anywhere. And I get it. That's where social media is bad for all the good things that it does. That's where it's so bad. Let's all of us, I don't care which side you stand on, have a very adult intellectual conversation. And at the end of the day, I could still disagree with you, but we could be respectful about it and go about our business. We're not forcing anyone to come to a Saints game. We're not telling you, David, you have to come to a Saints game. I know you're uncomfortable, but you got to come. We're not making anyone do that. What we're trying to do is make everyone feel as comfortable as possible when they do come here, whether it's this year or next year. We're not going to get it right all the time. We are open to people's opinions. We will take it into consideration. And we will even utilize some of those opinions. We've done it for 28 years. We're not going to stop now just because we're in a pandemic. We have utilized people's ideas to make things better. And that's what we try to do. Yeah. Well, uh, Sean, I just want to say thank you again for, for jumping on. Um, this was uh, really enlightening. And um, I'm a little closer to <laughs> going to a Saints game now. Um, and I really, but, appreciate, really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, well, I'm rooting for you to be able to go to a United game. I know that's obviously where, where your heart lies. And, and I root for I, – I do. I root for all the teams in this area. Yeah. We're all in this together, uh, even in a non-pandemic year. We all want to see each other do well. I'm rooting for them to be able to come home. Uh, I'm rooting for the Wild to be able to come back next year. I'm, I'm rooting for them to win here tonight in, in their playoff game. Right. I'm rooting for everybody to be able to have what they want. Um, and, and again, we may be a year or two from it happening, uh, but for now, we really are all in this together. So thank you very much, David. This has absolutely been a pleasure. I'm glad you and I got to connect. Yeah, if you ever sure. do want to come to a Saints game, you reach out, let me know. I got you. I, I will let you know. Um, Sean, if people want to reach out to you, how is there, is there a good way for them to, to get in touch with you? Social media, any, any? Yeah, they can go through my publicist. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't have one of those. Uh, so they can, on, on Twitter, I'm at, at The Voice BTV, The Voice BTV. Uh, for a long time, I had a podcast that, that I stopped on this pandemic. I'll just promote it if you don't mind. Sure, yeah. Uh, it, it was called, uh, it is still called, and, and I, I look forward to uh, restarting it when all this is over. But it was called uh, The Voice Behind the Voice, where I sat down with play-by-play broadcasters uh, in, in the major sports, uh, as well as NCAA and just kind of pulled back the curtain on who they were, you know, your broadcaster is the person that brings you, uh, you know, the play by play, but how much do you know about them? And I would get all of these broadcasters as they came through the twin cities. I I did every one of them in person. Every one of them was done in person. Obviously I can't do that now. And that was my hard, fast rule. When I started the podcast was to sit down in person with these people. I've gotten everyone from doc Emmerich to, to Joe Buck, uh, to, you know, to the local guys here to, um, you know, to uh, guys who, who, who are with their, their teams and have been for, for many, many years. I've done 196 of them. So it wasn't like yeah. a fly by night type of thing. Yeah. Um, 
you know, uh, Kenny Albert was, was the last guest that I had in person. That's so great. I've, I've gotten some big name guys, so you yeah. can go check it out. I hope when all this is over and teams start coming back through the area, I'll start it back up again. Um, oh, but, the voice uh, behind the voice. The voice behind the voice. Yeah, you can yeah. get wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, check that out. Um, and again, on, on, on social media, on, on Twitter, at The Voice BTV. So there you okay. go. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's what actually one thing when me and my uh, friend started this podcast, we, we, we just wanted to like, we wanted to just basically like hang out for a couple hours. Yeah. And just shit about soccer, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, well, we should, we should just record that. And then all of a sudden it's like, we just, we, 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 wanted, we never really wanted to do it over the phone. And now all of a sudden this, you know, COVID yeah. pandemic happens and you got to utilize things like Zoom. So that's uh, right. Exactly. Right. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate uh, you stepping in and, and, and talking us through a little bit about what a um, in-person stadium experience is like. So um, check out uh, The Voice BTV. Is that the, on Twitter? Yep, The Voice and, BTV. And, uh, yeah. and the, behind The Voice podcast. Yeah. All right, Sean, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, David. We to try and work it out because we both know we can't do nothing at all. Long as you do yours, land here become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. Uh, we, we do our thing, son. Son, 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 son